following program is rated BBMALSA. It contains strong language, sexual situations, awesomeness, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. Listener indiscretions are advised. Welcome to our Blissbringers podcast. The materials we cover encourage adults of all ages, nationalities, and sexualities to open up and embrace their wildest desires and blissful pleasures. You won't find medical advice here, just our personal experiences following the journey of sexual evolution and education in sizzling fun topics that were definitely not taught to us in school, but have wickedly blossomed into reality. We discuss adventures in ethical non-monogamy, kinks and fetishes, exotic places to visit, sexy events, workshops, and tips. Allow us to seduce you into embarking on new adventures where each day you ask yourself, what's your pleasure? Welcome back, everybody. I'm John. This is Mr. Cindy. And we have a very special guest today, Lee Harrington. Hi. Lee came up on our radar as an author and he calls himself a gender explorer, eclectic artist. Very interesting. What triggered it for me was we were in San Francisco at Wicked Grounds. Mm-hmm. I look at the book there and it's Lee's book on bondage. I'm like, oh yeah, we have to interview this guy. So yeah, we both we enjoyed the book. We were sitting there enjoying a cappuccino, checking out the book. So is that, is that what you're most known for? So when I started in the BDSM kink communities, you know, 19, 20, it's 20 years in August, which is really surreal to me. And when I started out in the BDSM scene back in uh, Seattle, bondage was the first thing I was really passionate about. Like I got really hooked. And in 2006, I wrote the first edition of that book, Shabara You Can Use. I refer to it as the idiot's guide to bondage, right? How do you connect with someone easily? How do you do the step-by-step? step ties without being overwhelmed. And I also just on a personal and political level, really wanted a rope bondage book that didn't feature entirely Caucasian and Asian models under 120 pounds. Exactly. Like I wanted femdoms tying up submissive men. I I mean, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I have a sneaky photo in there kind of with an homage to the poly and swinger populations of a threesome. Mm-hmm. Who's all together doing bondage with, you know, the cuddle up scene afterwards. I have people of diversity, body shapes and genders. So that's a really passionate topic for me. And when I started teaching all over the place, that's where I started. But nowadays I talk about everything from sacred sexuality to understanding the psychology of dominance on an, a university and academic level to teaching skills to gender. It's really across the board. You have a very specific view of gender that is a little bit eye-opening for for most people, I'd say, especially when it relates to the, the swinging and kink communities. Well, it's really interesting for me because before my gender transition, I was a 38 double D, 28, 42, 5 foot 11 brunette, right? Super curvy girl, big boobs and a corset. And everybody in, and your mother wants to play on a, you know, when you're at a club. It's just what it is. First world problem. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, and that's no, that's exactly it. It was really interesting transitioning from female to male because first I started out by going more genderqueer. I shaved my head. I tended to bind back my breasts. And when I would show up to spaces, 
there was an uncertainty on how to interact with me. Even my exact same lovers, their stories and expectations of what I would even want, like my desires didn't change, but how they expected to interact with me suddenly did. The further along I got in my transition, especially as soon as I, I had chest surgery in 07, I was out. Like, I was just no longer welcome in those spaces. Really? Yeah. It's not necessarily a formal statement. It's about how one interacts with men, period. I mean, even before my transition, when I would go into a lot of spaces, and mind you, this was in late 90s through the mid-aughts, I would go into some of those spaces with a male lover of mine, and I would end up using a strap-on on him. People would clear out the room, because male bisexuality is a tender topic, I find, in a lot of spaces. Oh, yeah. And so the fact that I am a man with a vagina... There is an uncertainty for men, especially on how to interact with me. Is interacting with me a statement of bisexuality or is it enjoying a vagina? Playing with women, I'm no longer a cock who could fill a hole and be a consumerist experience because some women at swingers clubs just want to show up and have, you know, an an experience with a penis. And I can't offer that. And so suddenly I was no longer having the opportunities of how people would want to interact with bodies in expected situations. And I've been talking to trans women as well, where the same thing sometimes comes up, unless it's at fetish parties, like fetishistic, gender fetishistic experiences with people who want to play with shemales, where where if they still have their phallus and want to play with it. But it became really interesting and awkward. And I had long-term lovers of mine who just said, you know what? As much as I love you and as much as how hot you are and how much I, how hot I know it still is to play with you, I just have to bow out for orientation reasons or for how they were being seen. I actually want to ask a couple of questions. So I'm going to take the swinger role because we run around quite a bit with the, the circles and the swingers and it's the traditional swinger parties and we mm-hmm. can go to the, the swinger cruises and you name it. Yeah. Uh, once in a great while we have our, our token trans that will come in. Uh, and they, they, have made some friends, but I want to ask you some questions just to help to define it for our listeners who are swingers. You had mentioned, you know, she's, you know, she males, um, and you're talking in terms of, you know, the trans world. Can you do some definitions? Just, you know, bring us into the elementary, just so we, our listeners understand. And also for me too. So I understand oh. when I'm talking to well, the community no. that I'm actually communicating correctly. Absolutely. And actually, one of the words you just used is really interesting, how you use the word a trans or a transgender. So transgender is actually used predominantly in the modern English language and modern usage in America as an adjective, not a noun. There are some places who use it as a noun, but most of the time it is used as an adjunct experience to say transgender woman a transgender man. Oh, that's or perhaps, Yeah. And for some people, it's I am transgender, but in the same way somebody would say, I am a woman. Here or, I am, or I am brunette, right? Right. And so very few people would say, I am a brunette, right? So oftentimes people won't say, I am a transgender. They'll say, I am transgender. So just like, think of it like blonde. 
Occasionally people will say, I have transgender experience or that's part of my history because they consider transitioning from one gender of what they were assigned at birth. Mm-hmm. Right, So I was female assigned at birth, which was when the doctor picked me up, they went girl because they saw a vagina. Right. They didn't actually test my chromosomes to see if I was XXY, right, or if I have XO or what it was. They just looked at my outside presentation. Right. And it's amazing in our culture what the doctor assigns you as at birth is what ends up determining like the soccer team you're on. Whether you're going to wear a white dress or a tux at your wedding, it determines how much money you get paid. That's right. It determines what jobs you're even expected to be able to do, what toys you should play with, what colors you should like. And so I think of that a lot with, you know, when I explain it to people is just look at what happens when you get picked up as a baby. And even today, as we're wandering around in our given gender and our perceived gender, right? That's another one we need to keep in mind is when you see somebody from a distance, you go, oh, that's a boy or that's a man. That's mm-hmm. a woman mm-hmm. from across the room. And if somebody turns around and it's different than you expected, right? When you see a drag queen and they turn around and you're like, never mind. <laughs> that person is rocking a full beard and a whole lot of glitter. I don't know what the story is there, but I, I, I'm going to rewrite my answer. <laughs> Because that person might be a drag queen, which is somebody who is male identified, but cross dresses for performance. It could be somebody who is a cross dresser, somebody who is male identified, who dresses as a woman for, you know, enjoying a persona or because they fetishize the clothing or somebody who's assigned or identifies as a woman who dresses as a man. And that's seen less often nowadays, but that's because women are now allowed to wear men's suits. That's right. And have it not be weird. But if you look back in the 1920s and 30s and 40s, right, like the number of especially black lesbian jazz singers rocking the full tuxedos, Mm -hmm. like that was taboo, Mm -hmm. right? But it was a thing. And so I think that's something to look at as well is sometimes people will go like where they can't tell, oh, is that person cross-dressing or are they transgender? So cross-dressing is either, either aesthetics or a persona. Right. I'm putting on this character for the night or I have this part of me that manifests every once in a while in this way I present myself. Somebody who is transgender, this is actually me, period, end of day. Right now, I am not pretending to be a guy. I am a guy. It's my day in, day out, how I see myself and how I experience myself. And there's no question about this. This is internal experience. And I'm really blessed that my perceived gender when I'm across the room, what people point at me and identify me as happens to now match. Mm -hmm. But not every transgender person has that, right? There are some people that you see them across the room and you might go, I don't know what their gender is. Or you might see them across the room and go, oh, well, they're probably X, but there may be something else. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So your chromosomes, you had them tested. Did they? No. No. Nope. I am because to me, that didn't matter in my personal journey. Okay. for some people, they really um, because there's a thing called intersex, right, which is another category, which medically, historically, until like I want to say about the 1950s, 60s was referred to as hermaphrodite. Mm. But intersex has been taken up because it's an umbrella term. 
right? Umbrella as in like all things that are um, disorders of sexual difference. So it's some people who have Kreiner's disease, which is, I believe it's XXY, um, which is, it just, there's some people who have, who are women who have, inc- who are XX, who have incredibly high testosterone levels and have, um, there's poor connections between their ovaries and their uterus because their body laid out in a different way. Is considered a form of intersex. Right. Some people, you look at that when the p- doctor picked them up at birth and went, I don't know what they are, right? Maybe their clitoris was an inch long at birth. And they go, ah, uh, this, and, but they're still a vagina. And they go, I have no idea how to identify this. So in that case, what would they do with the birth certificate? I want to say it's one in 2,000, 3,000 births is some degree where the doctor had to pause for a moment. And that pause could be one hour or up to multiple weeks on how to fill out that birth the birth certificate weren't it weren't they couldn't be issued in the United States because there wasn't another option. Right. Birth certificates had to be waited on until a gender got assigned. And still is actually in the US. And so it's really tricky. Up till I wanna I mean, up till very recently, one of the standard things that was done was and the joke was from a doctor in the seventh 70s or so, 70s or 80s, I don't remember the doctor's name, but the joke was it's easier to dig a hole than build a pole. And so they literally were cutting off the clitorises slash penises of gender gender uncertain children. Wow. Because they looked wrong. Mutilated them. But the answer was because it's going to be hard for them growing up. Those poor intersex children. Right. And I have a friend of mine who that's what happened to them. And they actually identify as male, but they were born intersex and their doctor mutilated them and didn't give them a chance to choose their gender identity. And some intersex people identify as male, some identify as female, and some identify as other or have a specific word for their gender. And when it comes to the transgender umbrella, and that's it's kind of like kink, right? Kink is a big umbrella. It is. Even the word swinger, it's a huge umbrella, right? Like, are you into gangbangs? Are you somebody who just does, you know, wife swapping? Are you somebody who likes going into a club? Like, it's this big umbrella of stuff. Do you only have a closed circle of people you do stuff with? But people say, oh, they're, they're just into kink and have a picture of what that means. And same thing with transgender. People have a picture that, oh, that means Caitlyn Jenner or Laverne Cox, right? <laughs> That's their picture. Or maybe if you're lucky, Chaz Bono. Right, to maybe include a trans guy. But that's the picture people have. But there are other people under the transgender umbrella, some of which are gender queer, right? right? Where it's just kind of, they're queer. Like it's just something out there beyond those definitions. Or their gender identity is androgynous or agender, right? Or non-gendered, right? They're just like, I don't identify, it's not A or B, it's neither, so is that a politically correct question that swingers or someone that is not part of that community today, should they ask that question? How do you identify? Um, I think how you identify is a really great question for most transgender people I meet, you know, or, you know, how do you identify? But the challenge with it is, is that most people don't ask me because I pass because when you see me in the street you go, oh, that's a guy. Even me walking into a club, you go, oh, that's a guy. I take off my pants and people go, Ugh, I don't know what to do. My brain just exploded. <laughs> well, then I, I, I got to ask that question. What's down there? Um, Right now, 
right? Because, and it's funny when actually people ask me that question, when I, so I lecture at universities, not just at, you know, SM and whatever events, um, and LGBT events. Like I lecture at mainstream universities and I've had the occasional student or professor ask me that question. And I used to get mad. Oh, right. I'm like, why, 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 why? <laughs> right? Like, I'm not asking you how big are your labia. Right. <laughs> I'm not asking you, you show me yours. I'll show you mine. Right. And, and that, so my answer now, right, because I would get all either flustered and internally mad or I would end up having this like hiccup moment. Right. Oh. My answer now when it's students, are you asking because you're interested in the diversity of a options available for somebody who's female assigned at birth and male identified that are out there available right now, ranging from just having your ovaries removed to having hysterectomies to having like, are you interested in the variety out there, including people who have phalloplasties? And like, are you curious about the range? Or I just now say this mostly to the professors is, or are you asking me because you want to fuck me? Well, would it be bad if they said yes? No, and so my and what my odds right now are about one out of twenty, right? So about five percent of the people say actually it's number two. <laughs> in which case, I kind of go, well, let's have a conversation, right? Because my partner and I have made a choice in our relationship that we both are really happy with us having the one relationship together where I, it's my one female relationship, and I'm very happy with that. But we have a relation, an agreement where if I want to go out and play with other guys, that's an option. If it's guys, if it's women, and me, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I'm really complimenting, but my partner and I have an agreement, etc. And I've got a pat answer. If it's guys, I kind of go, oh, let's talk. Because <laughs> you never know, it could be a thing. And because at least we know, they know my history. I don't have to out myself. Right. Right. And not at a club. Like I had this incident happen that you might, um, do you guys know Power Exchange in San Francisco? We've never been, but yes, we know it. Only by reputation. Okay. So I went one time by myself. They had a male price and a female price. And they decided that all trans people, anybody who identify as transgender would get the female price, right? That's just what they did. It was women and transgender people, men. And their system there is funny. It's like there's multiple male prices. There's men who show up in fetish and sexy garb. And there's men who show up in street garb as different prices. Right. And I think that's kind of a cool system, right? Like they don't want, they want to create the, the experience of an erotic space. Hmm. Okay. And so I'm there and I go in and I'm just like, nope, uh, you know, transgender. And they're like, oh, really? And I like flash my shirt because I've had chest surgery and I have I have scars. Not all trans men have scars, but I chose to get rid of my because I was I had ample breasts mm-hmm. and I made a choice to have that be part of my personal journey. And not all transgender men do. Because you're making a choice to have a surgery on your body. Mm-hmm. Right. All surgeries are risky. There's some people who just choose not to have them, period. So I had decided to then I flash him. He's just like, oh, okay. But I'm in there and I'm wandering around in kind of, you know, sexy guy attire. And I decide to, I brought my Hitachi with me and I didn't know how, like, I was feeling nervous about flirting. And so I pull out my Hitachi and I find this one space that was visually accessible so people could watch. But it had like a little half wall up and angled myself so people who wanted to watch could and decided to go at it, stripped down and went at it. And there was this pair of guys who I opened my eyes later and these pair of guys are like a foot away from me staring. <laughs> and I'm like, well, hello. And they're just like, apparently both of them had done the, you know, oh, it's a guy jerking off. And then they went, wait, he's using a Hitachi. How are they? How is he doing that? That's interesting. That is Kicked very interesting. 
there's a vagina. <laughs> because right now I have a vagina. My, my clitoris, because of testosterone, has dramatically grown out. Right. Some people are like, you know, have that little like you can't find them without digging. <laughs> some people have like that. You know, some people have, you know, maybe the pinky, the little bit of the pinky finger showing. Right. I'm, I'm rocking like the first thumb joint. Right. Uh, wow. Maybe that's awesome. More, right? It's you know, and that's just how I've I've grown. And might I choose surgeries in the future? Yeah, but it's my body. I get to make choices about my body. It's kind of like women have a choice around or anybody around whether you want to have chest surgery. And I know multiple women who are like, I'm tired of my B cups. Mm-hmm. Right? Give me some D's. That would be great. And vice versa. We know women and, that have oh big boobs and they want to go down to B's. Absolutely. Because that's hard on your back. Mm-hmm. Right? And being a double D, even a double D was hard. My partner is an F. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> she's a 34 she's a F. She, I mean, mind you, she's rocking it. Right. Put on put on a corset and she has a huge high heel fetish collection. And I'm just like, meow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting for these guys. Like they just had to ask me the question because they just didn't know. And the three of us ended up playing. But it was because I had the bravery to go out there and do stuff on my own. That's but that's because so I'm OK. I'm OK with rejection, mostly because of the bathhouse scene where in the men's community, People are going to reject everybody left, right, or center. And it's because maybe you're too fat. Maybe you're too thin. Maybe it's because you're a different skin color than they want. Maybe you don't have a a circumcised versus non-circumcised penis. And I finally realized that swinger community, you know, bathhouse community, whatever, nobody is rejecting me because of me. They're rejecting me because of what they're looking for. I can't control their brain. That's right. What would be the proper protocol for talking some to somebody transgender at a party there's people who are looking for a certain sort of tender expectation mm-hmm. right they they just want penis in vagina sex and or yeah they, they're looking for somebody female body so what can people who want to be allies do to make life easier Well, a couple of things that I would say is if you're not sure about somebody's preferred pronoun, right? Do they use he, she, or they, right? Because I know some people who prefer they, mind you. Very few people like it, just as a warning. Don't say it. That's a good way to kind of like, yeah, insult, distance yourself. Mind you, unless somebody's into objectification play. But that's a whole (laughs) That's a whole nother one. (laughs) Let's talk about that later. (laughs) Right? Like, they're just nothing but a hole. Cool. But that's a different scene. Right? So that's the first thing I usually ascertain. The second thing I say is, so tell me who you're looking to play with tonight. That gives me an interest about their choice, which I would ask anyone. That's a right? great question. That's Which a I would ask. Question. I mean, mind you, if not, if I'm in the middle of an orgy bed, right? Mm-hmm. Right. In which case you put your, if you're interested in them, period, you put your knee against them, just like any other social protocol for, you know, doing stuff on an orgy bed. Right. Right. You do like the subtle touch. Do they look back at you? Do they beckon forward? You've communicated depending on the space. In other ones, right? You're in the social area. Hey, who are you? What are you looking to do tonight? Oh. Would you be interested in doing that with me? Because they've just given you information. Because I don't know what's happening with between your legs. I don't, maybe I'm looking for, you know, really hardcore anal sex and you pull down your pants and I'm like, I can't take that with. Oh, you met my husband. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, no, seriously, because I've had those moments where I'm like, I'm not that ambitious tonight. <laughs> Uh, I, and and like and, and you pull down the pants and I'm like wow I I thought <laughs> I thought you were a shower turns out you were a grower <laughs> and that doesn't mean I don't want to play with you anymore it just means that activity I had in my head I've got to rewrite the plan right now and right now if you were say that you're a heterosexual woman and you're wanting to play with me and you have an expectation that I have a you know four and a half to seven and a half inch penis and that's your expectation in my in your head and you pull down my pants and go oh that's different than expected I might pause for a second and say so what are we doing next How with good a are you with your mouth Right. Or how good are you with your mouth? Or you offer a counter exchange, just like if I saw that wide cock and went, oh, I would offer a counter exchange. Or I might get down the one things I love on my body is to have somebody stroke as if that was happening. I've also had people say to me, oh, well, where I would get undressed and I and I'd see somebody kind of counter response visually. And I'd say, shall I go get something longer? And what I'm saying is, do you want me to go get my strap on harness? I was going to ask if someone said, would you put on a strap on or if I pulled out my strap on and I asked you to wear it, would you? Would that be insulting to someone? So someone is a really tricky thing. The words someone, because if I, you know, looked at somebody's penis and said, that's not what I'm looking to ride tonight. Wow. I might have just made them lose their entire good evening. I know. (laughs) Rejection, period. As a sexual being, period. Whether you're in a monogamous paired couple or whether you're into all of these adventures is really hard. So what's the right way to approach it? Because, you know, in, in, in any party, you're going to get a rejection. It doesn't matter how good looking or how big your cock is or small or doesn't matter. You're going to get rejected. So what's the best approach? What happens? Options that I have used pre-transition and post-transition. One is reach down, fondle for a while. Right. Still show that you were interested and that you were whatever, you know, kiss a little bit and then reach over, kiss on the cheek and say later hot stuff and leave. Right. You still show that there was affection and interest and that you might talk later, but it still goes, you know what? And I don't know at that moment whether it meant you were interested and now you need to go pee. Right. I don't know your story. Right. I don't know if your husband just winked at you from across the room. I don't know what's going on for you, and it's okay. I don't now have to take it personally, rather than somebody saying, oh, I thought you had a penis there. That might be a little bit edgy, right? A little bit hard. Now, somebody saying to me, oh, something's a little bit different, huh? And saying it flirtily and still saying that they're still being flirty, Mm -hmm. that feels so much more loving. Well, I would hope it would happen that way every single time, but we know reality isn't that way. We know reality isn't that way. No. And also just in general, asking people across the gender spectrum, what are you into tonight? Or I'm into you. Are you into me? Yeah. What magic can we make happen tonight? I I, I think that's an opportunity for me at any gender experience. I agree. Because, you know, if I'm flirting with a guy, you don't know if I want to go down on you or I want you to go down on me or if you're looking for it. Like, I don't know what you're into. It's a great question across all different sexualities. All of it. Even swingers are always scrambling for words to try to have that conversation. Kingsters. It's just, it's that communication. That's a really good generic question. Maybe this would be a good spot for the elevator speech. Oh, tell me more. Have you heard about Reed Mahalko? Oh, yes. 
he has this concept which is called the, the safer sex elevator speech mm-hmm. and basically it's in one minute where you say okay i we are i'm john and i'm uh straight or i'm bi uh I'm into this. These are some things that I like. This is my last uh, time I got tested for this and this, and it was negative or whatever. And I like doing so-and-so. I like my ass banged, and I don't like my nipples pinched. What about you? Right. So he has this idea of rolling this out as an icebreaker, also as a negotiation method, mm-hmm. and to model that behavior. Now, I was thinking... Could we not offer something like that to oh, to uh, absolutely and for a lot of trans for trans people who are already comfortable about their presentation and what's happening between their legs absolutely and I find that most who are still active in sex positive and not sex positive per se because there's lots of sex positive communities that could mean like the body acceptance community right but who are part of say swinger communities bathhouse communities or sexually adventurous communities. Um, I find more transgender people who are open to being blunt about what's happening between their legs. But I know a lot of trans women who are really shy about saying that they haven't had or don't plan to have bottom surgery. They're really shy about it because they're scared of rejection. If you're going to get rejected, wouldn't you rather be rejected early on than having screaming and drama behind closed doors? Again, that's that roll of the dice, right? And how does a brain think? And everybody's brain is different. It's what's amazing about humans. There's this thing that happens for a lot of transgender people, especially ones that are what I would refer to as the transsexual spectrum of people who are binary, people who were assigned female and now are male. People who were male and now female, as compared to people who are, if the spectrum is from, um, you know, A to Z, there are some people who go from Z to F. Is there such a thing as a bi-transgender? So born a man, they still have their male parts, but they dress as a woman, they have gorgeous tits, they like to play with both sexes. So there's bi-gender and bisexual, two very different things. Bi-gender means that you have two distinct gender identities that you switch between. So somebody who is both Susan and Stephen, period, depending on where they are. And I know somebody who's bi-gender who is a stunning woman, an impeccable man, and honestly, they pass in both sides, Mm -hmm. Right. Like you would have no idea until the clothes come off. And I've actually never seen them with their underwear off. So I actually don't know what's going on down there. And I don't care because they're stunning and they're awesome human. Their statement is you can tell what gender I am on what I'm wearing. Do I have black hair that is long or short? Am I wearing makeup or not? You can tell quickly assessing by their presentation. So there's by gender. And I want to say that that because there's that piece. Now, bisexual in modern vernacular infers that there are two genders, that you're into both men or women, but it excludes people who are genderqueer. It means, it, it means that I have no word from bisexual, and there are some people I know who are attracted to men and women, period, and aren't attracted to people who are intersex or people who are genderqueer or people who are somewhere in the middle. They're just not historically, like if we're looking in the 70s, for example, there was only the word bisexual. 
And so that word applied to everything. But in the transgender community, the word bisexual can sometimes seem divisive because it means that if I'm transgender and I'm either binary male or female, cool. Now, the other thing that's politically divisive slash socially divisive is the words male parts. What you're talking about is a penis, right? Yep. Balls and cock. So there are many trans women who say, nope, those are female parts because I'm female and those are my parts, period. Yes, my clitoris happens to be a clit on a stick, right? You can fondle my very large and pendulous labia. Interesting. Because medically speaking, on a fetal level, on a fetus level, it's the same stuff. The testes were what the labia, like there was a break at about week seven, I think, where that thing become that thing based on a hormonal trigger. Right. Uh, the labia is the testes. The penis is the clitoris. Right. Same stuff. The Graftenberg spot is the prostate. It's all the same stuff. The G spot. And so there are some trans women who have a vagina and who you would never know were transgender ever. Right. I know a transgender woman who's in the swinger community who doesn't out her history and she and her husband show up at parties and only a sliver of people even know her history and she gets offended and hurt if you share her history. Right. It's kind of like somebody sharing the fact that you had prostate cancer. Right. Like that's really intimate. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't share that. Right. Yes. You had surgery on your lower part of your body. You don't share that. So you'd have no idea her. And there's other trans women that would wander into a room and you'd have no idea until you take the pants down and go, oh, that's different than I expected. Now, for some of those women, they're happy to have somebody ride on top of their clit on a stick. Mm hmm. Put a condom on, you're good to go. There's other trans women who go, oh, no, 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 that's a clit on a stick. You can't put a condom on a clit. I'm going to become dissociative, right? I'm going to disassociate from my body. I am uncomfortable with slash freak out with you doing that with me. Oh, it's so complicated. It's interesting, right? And well, you definitely don't want to get stoned and have this kind of a conversation because it'll go deep. <laughs> right. Well, no. Like and the thing is, most people I find who are part of the swinger community have already dealt with a lot of this stuff. I don't know. I think like, they, they're naive. No, no, no. I'm talking about me as a trans person. <gasps> oh, okay. yeah. Like by the point that I've decided I'm going to come in and fuck with a whole lot of people. Like I've probably had some self-determination <laughs> conversations where I'm like, okay, I already, I know I'm going to have to deal with the fact that people go, whoa, how are you going to fuck that chick? You don't have a penis. What I'll say is, honey, I have eight of them and I get to choose how long it stays up. Fuck you. Get down and suck this little cock for me. Right? Like, I know that I can rock that statement. Oh, that's but- awesome. But not everyone can. Yeah, and there are going to be people who don't like to play that way. No. Who who get turned off by it. And you're yeah. better off filtering those out as soon as possible. Right? I think so. I think for me, I prefer to. Or I prefer to masturbate in a corner. People see what's going on and go, oh, and they get to make choices based on a visual assessment. It's, that it's would like be hot. N- nobody has a, has a 0% rejection rate. I would be totally turned on seeing Lee walk into one of those parties. And I would be immediately drawn just because he stands out from the rest of the crowd. And I'm always attracted to that type of a person. <laughs> and then I would start hitting on you, Lee. And I would go through the rejection because you're not looking for... A female, 
you have a, I'm going to say monogamous, you have an agreement with your partner, that yeah. female, and I would have to go through the rejection. I would hate that feeling, but you know, tough shit. I'm at a sex party and you're going to get rejected. <laughs> and it's not personal. And I think everybody in the kink and swinger community across the board, hell, in dating, period. Exactly. Is that it's not personal, but gosh, does it feel personal in the moment? Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, I've had that happen, and I felt so bad looking back on it, especially like I felt bad in the moment, but I felt really bad being male identified now and male experienced now. Um, cause I've had both, I've had both sides of the journey. The number of times that I turned away guys cause they had an ED issue, right? Where they just couldn't get it up. Yep. Or I yeah. end up turning them down and I'm like, Oh my God, how consumerist was I <sighs> that I treated them as nothing but a penis? And maybe, yeah, maybe I was looking for a penis that night, but I at least could have been human about it. And if we start treating each other like humans, no matter our gender story, wouldn't that be awesome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's quite a few men in the uh, the community. They do. They suffer from, you know, erectile dysfunction. It's, it's a common thing, and they're going to have to deal with it. That's why they become masters with their fingers and tongues. There's other ways. My ex-husband, he and I were both involved with these communities. And he actually, even though he would have people fondle him and he really enjoyed, you know, jerking off stuff, for him going into someone's mouth or into someone's, you know, vagina or ass or whatever was something he only did with people who he had dated, period. Like he didn't do that at clubs. He didn't do that. Like he'd have fun with his mouth or with his fingers or whatever, or with me. He needed the connection. And it was really hard for some people to get that idea because they have one experience of what it means to be a swinger. Right. Hi, this is Emily from Cassidy. And you can find me and hundreds of other sexually social swingers at Cassidy.blissbringers.com. And that's spelled K-A-S-I-D-I-E. Hey, let's talk about your book that just released. So my new book is called Traversing Gender, Understanding Transgender Realities. And I say realities for all of the reasons we just laid exactly. out. Exactly. Don't you think that was um, a good segue? Oh <laughs> it's, right? it's complicated. <sighs> well, it, it can be. But again, to me, the big thing is treat people like people. Don't be rude. I wrote it because... For me, both on my gender journey, like I tried to transition as a teenager and I was turned down predominantly because I, at the time, wasn't dysphoric. I wasn't detached from my lower body. I was okay with sex. And the fact that I was predominantly attracted to men, my therapist said, no, we can't do that because they wouldn't at the time. Right. And I would have loved that 16 year old me to have had this book. The first part is understanding the concepts, the diversity of gender journeys out there, the difference between sex, gender, and orientation, right? A trans woman who is with a man is not a gay man. They're a woman with a man, right? Orientation. Understanding that and the diversity of journeys out there and how somebody transitioning when they're 14 is very different than somebody transitioning when they're 64. They just are. The next section is all about health. So it's about social health, right? Who is your support systems? understanding, you know, the social networks out there, understanding grief and loss, like all of that stuff. It's look, and then I look at medical health, right? The difference, like there's medical history, like, you know, what hormones can I be on? But there's also, if you're a doctor and if somebody twists their knee, you don't need to care about their gender history. It's a knee. Um, so that kind of stuff. Uh, I then go into uh, sexual health, right? So dealing with safer sex and trans people, because I can't wear a condom. 
and I still have vaginal fluids, right? So how do you address those issues? Oh, that's and, a really and sexual negotiation, right? That thing we just talked about of how would you like to play? What would you like to be wearing? And asking everybody that. And not just the trans person, right? Asking everybody that. Oh, do right. you like to stay in your lingerie while you wit make out? Let's make it sexy. Um, and then mental health. And then from there, I go into things like legal issues, disenfranchised populations, the fact that black trans women are just killed more often. And it's heartbreaking. And we need to address these issues. People with, you know, disabilities who are trans. And I have an entire chapter that's skill sets for allies. That way, people who are allies can read chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and skip to chapter nine if you want to. Keep it simple. And up on Amazon, I have the intro and a little bit into chapter one so people can kind of get the idea. But I had an artist um, named Annie Fogut who took my ideas of sketches and made them really clear and palpable. So so even just flipping through the book and looking at the hundreds, you know, 120 or whatever graphics and going, oh. There's like if you just go through the gender journeys chapter and go, oh, trans men, trans women, you know, uh, people who are two spirit, people who are third gender from options from around the world, you know, people who are bi gender and you get quick graphics. And and to me, doing that was also really important because, again, it can get overwhelming if all you want to do is read chapters one, two, maybe three and then nine. It's okay. (laughs) It's really okay because the fact that. The fact that you're willing right now to have these hard conversations is really important. And I think it's tied into the gender conversations that are also really important across the board. Would you recommend this book for parents if they have a teenager that perhaps is struggling with, as they say, their identity because they must be just teenagers, but really there is something that's going on? Absolutely. Actually, um, I've got information all the way down to people who start self-identifying at four or five. The thing that is used by therapists is, is this identity and presentation insistent, persistent, and consistent? Right. And so what that means is if you're talking to a teenager and every three weeks they're like, no, what I meant is that I'm a girl. No, what I meant is that I'm fabulous. No, what that means is I'm a cross-dresser. It's every three weeks. It's it's not consistent and it's not persistent. Is it for not? It's over for two months because their friend came out as transgender and they're being supportive. But two months later, it's not there. Okay, it's not. It's not. It's no longer persistent. Is it insistent? And here's the tricky one with insistent. Small children will tell you because kids are loud. Toddlers won't filter. They just don't. Um, unless they're in an abusive household situation. But teenagers, especially ones who got shot down by their parents over other topics, right, who were told, oh, you shouldn't be an artist. Or what do you mean you want to be an engineer? That's like if they already been shot down over other things, even if it's an insistent, consistent and persistent feeling, mm-hmm. might not share it with their parents. Or if they shared it with two or three friends at school and then got beat up for it, they might not tell their parents. Because they experienced something that was horrifying already. And those are the teenagers who you'll hear about folks trying to commit suicide. And then you find out why it was when they're in inpatient therapy is because they've been struggling with gender issues for years. And you didn't know because they didn't tell anybody because they were already being shot down. There's someone in the swinger community. He'd been married for 30 years and he insisted on going to a party that was a bisexual party for Mm -hmm. men. He left that party subsequently has had a major meltdown. Come to find out that he has been struggling with his gender identity his entire 
life. I was at a doctor's office recently and there was a really beautiful trans woman there. And by beautiful, I mean mostly just glowing. And and she was rocking some really fabulous like retro clothing. 1950s, impeccable. And she talked about the fact that she only decided to transition about a year and a half earlier. And she was in her mid-60s, I want to say. And it was because as a teenager, she was growing up in an era where no, 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 that's not okay. That's right. If people started to come out as that, oh, no, you're just a fag, right? You're not going to get beaten by your father for even bringing it up. And so, you know, tried wearing mom's clothing a couple times, got beat up, then tried to date women, even though they were identified as a hetero, they self-identified as a heterosexual woman. They tried to date women because it would be okay married a woman and did it enough that they were able to get hard for giving birth to a child, but barely had sex the rest of their relationship and held it together until wife dies when they're in their early 60s, tries to keep dating women. They realized because they're identified as a bisexual woman because they didn't know that would be an option. And so they're still with their new female partner, but decided to transition because wow. they went, you know what, that's what I've been looking for. And their female partner has been, it's in the Bay Area. And so her female partner was like, well, have you actually looked at some of your stuff in the past? Because you like dressing up as a woman. Mm-hmm. Is this because you're a cross-dresser or is it something else? And they went to therapy and went, this is something else. Mm-hmm. And didn't look at it until their 60s. And I just, like, I'm getting goosebumps talking about her. Because think about what that's like. It would be horrible. Having to hide yourself. Yeah. The whole entire time wearing a mask, and that's pretty much it. Or yeah. just not having enough resource and knowledge to help what is growing inside to really grow. Yeah. Because you don't know where to yeah, find it. And that. that's my real hope with this book. Barnes & Noble has picked up a couple hundred copies, and they're going to have like one in each shop is the plan, which always feels good. And is that hope that there's going to be somebody in middle of nowhere, Montana, who happens to have gone to Missoula for the weekend and swings into Barnes & Noble to get a couple of books and walks into the psychology section and goes, oh, what's this? That's right. And flips it mm-hmm. open and carries it, throws it into their satchel really quickly, right? Buys it, throws it in their satchel, goes home and reads it and goes, I'm not alone. That's right. I'm actually going to get your book for one of my friends who's niece has been struggling the last couple of years and the niece has threatened suicide a couple of times in therapy, but she's been struggling with her identity. It's just been really, really hard. They do have her in some groups, but I think a book like yours Mm -hmm. would be perfect. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's also available on Kindle. Yeah, well, Kindle and Nook came out on May 1st and the uh, print book is coming out on June 1st. That's great. Well, Lee, thank you so much for hanging with us. It's been a delight. Thank you for having me on. Hello, this is Bob from Couples Cruise, the leader in adults-only clothing-optional cruises. You are listening to Bliss Bringers. For more information on our cruises, go to blissbringers.com slash cruise. See you there. Do you have an interesting product or nonprofit that you want to expose to a bunch of sex positive people and various perverts? We can make that happen. Drop us an email at advertising at blissbringers.com.
And that's it for this episode. Please make sure to check out blissbringers.com for all the show notes, the links to subscribe, and very importantly, the links to post a review. You can post reviews on Google, iTunes, or wherever you have your podcasts from. We appreciate all the help and encouragement. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, drop us a line at info at blissbringers.com. Until next time, what's your pleasure? All names mentioned in this show are either fictional, taken from public record, or held by people who have given their explicit consent to be mentioned. 